you ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. Station is upon you. UFC 248 on the horizon, and only the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports can get you fired up. Yes, the Brian Campbell, the voice that you hear this week. Wow, wow, wow. It is Adesanya Romero time. We're going to preview it at length. We're going to get all kinds of weird and fired up. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? The SOC is back. Yeah, baby, it is BC. Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Another week, a lot of recap, lots to sort out from the flyweight fiasco that was UFC Norfolk over the weekend. Do we have a new women's featherweight contender popping up? We'll get into that. We will obviously look ahead at the two title bouts at this weekend's UFC 248. And how about a little bonus chat with the one and only Boogie Woman. She's coming tomorrow. Yes. Boogie Woman is coming tomorrow. Well, today, actually. Yes. Joanna Young-Jacek stops by the pod. Was able to uh, sit down with her in NYC on Monday. Going to check out that chat today. We're going to preview all things 248. We're going to fill in some blanks. We're going to do a lot of fun things and a reminder, okay? If you like the way this needle feels inside your body, this performance-enhancing audio, please pay it forward with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume fine audio. I want to give a shout-out to our Earthquake Survivor and typical co-host, the one and only UFC Hall of Famer Rashad Evans. I'm sure many of you saw on his Instagram account the passage of his grandmother. Best wishes out to Rashad who is uh, with his family right now, and stepping in is a voice you know very well, a man who has faced the pain in life many times. It's CBS Sports editor, writer, Brandon Wise, B-Dubs. How are you, bro? What is going on, BC? I didn't know how long you were going to filibuster there before I was going to be able to say hi to the folks, but I'm glad you decided wow. to take a breath and let me get in here. It's Brandon's great. I'm like, so happy. I haven't been on the show in, what, like three weeks? Yeah, you gave up on us. Brandon's like, let me bang a little bit. Let me bang with somebody. Let somebody stand up and bang with I'll me. Bang. I'll bang. Well, you know, what I'm, you know where I'm going with that. All right. Uh, Brandon, congratulations on purchasing your first home. You're a home buyer, Brandon. Your thoughts? It's great. I've... I don't know. It's it's still like processing, but being able to get into my house every day and not hear people, neighbors upstairs or under us, like making a lot of noise and coming in at all hours of the night. It's it's been a lot to uh, be able to just relax and not worry about things like that. Now I'm I'm like you and trying to figure out all the things I need to fix in my house. Yeah, there's a different set of worries like mortgage <laughs> payments and yeah, and all that type of stuff. But it's great. It is the joy of homeowning. Uh, did your new house come with a hot tub by any chance? I, those are fantastic. 
especially in the cold <laughs> months of Connecticut. All right. It yes. did not. It did not. Okay. All right. Uh, Brandon, I want to start off with this question to you because, you know, I'm jumping out of my pants at the idea of 2019's Fighter of the Year, Israel Adesanya, for the people that did get the score right, by the way. Not not you, Brandon. Not not you, all right? Thank you, man. At least some people got the score right. At least some people. Thank you, Paulie. Uh, Adesanya Romero is a cacophony of sex and rock and roll and violence and everything we like about life inside one cage at one time. How freaking fired up are you, bro? Thank you, Stephen A., for using your big words for no apparent reason in there. Um, it is a lot. It's it's exciting. It's I hope it's the fight that you think it's going to be because I feel like there's also a path where this becomes a really boring fight if Romero just decides, all right, I'm going to wrestle instead of just standing and striking like he's done for he the last five that, fights. Bro, he don't wrestle anymore. That was the old Yoel. I mean, he's also lost three of four, so there's that. I've never seen him lose a UFC fight, okay? that That's also the truth. Okay. Whatever you say, bro. I love you. See you soon, boy. Yeah, this weekend. Boy. This weekend, we will see him soon. Brandon, what a time to be alive. It's not just UFC 248, Sizen. It's also time to get ready for your fantasy baseball draft. You fired up for that? Uh, no, I haven't played fantasy baseball since, like, 2009. All right, well, deal with me. Pretend you're actually part. What What is that? What are you holding up there? An action figure? What do you got? Is well, that it's, Habib? It's Habib. It's, it's Habib. It's Habib. All right, all right. Thank you. Thank you. That's, uh, okay. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> this is number one bullshit. All right, well, Brandon, I was trying to tell the people that uh, while they're getting geared up for 248, don't forget fantasy baseball right around the corner. If you need to check out Something to get you prepped. How about you check out the number one fantasy baseball podcast out there today? Oh, by the way, it's on CBS Sports. It's called Fantasy Baseball Today. Hey, Brandon, the FBT pod has been helping listeners with their leagues for how long, you think? You think a couple months? No. How about 10 years, bro? All right. How about a full decade in the business? The position previews are all published right now. They've got sleepers, breakouts, busts. That's a heck of a bust, right? Wow. Live mock drafts, listener emails all this week. Plus, Brandon, you'll get a new episode every morning in your new house five days a week until the season ends. Could you imagine loving something so much as fantasy baseball that CBS Sports is going to give you a show five days a week to deal with that lust inside your heart? It's called Fantasy Baseball Today, available Anywhere you listen to podcasts and tell them, by the way, BC sent you. What do they get when you tell them that BC sent you? Uh, uh, you it's a surprise. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a surprise. Okay. Step three, right? Am I digging a box? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, exactly. Just get off my back. Okay. I'm a white boy <laughs> and I'm jacked. Deal with it. Yes, deal with it. All right. You know what's really annoying, Brandon? You ever get your car serviced at, like, a dealership? You get, like, an oil change. And then they, like, want you to write a review. So, like, they, you know, they ask you. Then they email you. Then they text you. Then they call you. Then you don't call them back because you're like, hey, bro, get off my back. I'm not going to give you a review unless you give me something. That's why I told them on the phone the other day. I go, you want this review so bad? What are you going to do for me? 
Great service? Not enough, bro. Give me a T-shirt. Give me something, right? Give me a you, hot... want, you want a car dealership T-shirt? Give me a hot dog and a handle. Whatever it takes, but I'm not just going <laughs> to spend my time putting my name out there and giving you a review because you hounded me, all right? It's like when I walk into a store in the mall, Brandon, and I'm thinking, hey, I'll check out that ish. Maybe there's something I want to buy. If somebody comes running from behind that desk, you know, when like, like you go to a clothing store, some lady comes right. Oh, this guy doesn't fit in. Let me go help him. I don't need your help. I don't want your help. If I did, I'd come up to you. The second they come over and they try to invade what I'm doing, I turn around and walk away. Um. Okay. Where did this rant just come from? That's, Why are you mad about car dealerships? I just got race? another text asking for a review. Okay, you're not. You're not getting it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you right? just that was not a left field. You just started ranting about car dealership surveys. Well, don't don't text me during my podcast. All right, that's the deal. <laughs> that is the deal. Okay, bro. I'm the boss around here. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. It's my way and no other way. End thank of story. You, thank you, you know? Dana. Yes, thank you. All right. Um. What do you think Dana's like in person? Like real Dana, not Dana for the cameras. What do you think real Dana's like? Do you think that you would end up finding out that he's cooler than you thought or more of an absolute dirt hole than you thought? The latter. Wow. Wow, bro. I'm the one who has to keep telling you about the fact that he's got a machine gun filled filled with drugs in his office that is wrapped in dollar bills. Yep. Yep, yep, you're right. That's not a that's not like a sane normal person who just has that kind of like hey, piece s- of art. Have you seen him lusting to get into the Tyson Fury business lately? You seen those headlines? No, I have not. Just, what is what is his game? What is his angle? Well, now he's ripping Deontay Wilder and basically saying that I don't know, it's a lot of garbage. It's a lot of hot air, right? It's a lot of hot well, air. Well, no, no. Oh, you know what? I was going to bring that up because he was he was saying that that's why we have a fight kit, the 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 costume yes. that, that Deontay wore that he's blaming. But he's also forgetting the fact that he has two guys who dance on their way out to the ring who, one, gassed out in his second-to-last fight and lost his match. The other one has a title that's fighting this Saturday, but we don't want to talk about it. You're not wrong, Brandon, okay, about your circus clowns that you love down there in Brazil, okay? Michelle Pade. You know who doesn't do that? Jose Aldo, okay? A classic champion. Thank you. You know who does do it? Israel Adesanya. By the way, the best fighter in the world today. No, no, we'll find out. We'll find. Look, this is a great test. I cannot freaking wait for Saturday. Izzy, get me fired up. I'm ready. Middleweights. I'm the new dog in the yard. And I just f- all over this cage. Oh, that's pretty. That's pretty gross, actually. Right? You know what I mean? Of, of the many gross sound drops we have in here, that's pretty bad, right, Joe Benavides? I used to f- guy cool. like you in high school. <laughs> poor Joe. Yeah, poor Joe. Well, he gets he gets to go home to uh. You know, you know, yeah. nice, well-cooked meal, probably. That's where I'm going with that, Brandon. All right. Hey, enough weird stuff. We're going to get into this show. We're going to get into all things recapping, previewing, and everything in between after a pause for the cause and a word from our friends and sponsors. Yeah, dig it. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. And we're back. BCB Dubs, Sugar Rashad on a bye this week. Kate Rashad's nuts out your mouth. Then talk to me. All right, all right, all right. I'm talking to you, Rampage. Uh, Brandon, UFC Norfolk this weekend. And for an in-between fight night card, man, do we have a lot to speak of with the vacant flyweight title bout that never really happened because kind of. I'm not really sure, actually. Brandon, because Davison Figueredo uh, missed weight by two and a half pounds, then sent Joseph Benavides to hell with a big right hand, but isn't the champion because of the missed weight. So Henry Cejudo, I think, still is. Is that the truth, Brandon? I still haven't figured that out yet right now. No, the title is just vacant. Are you no, sure about is. that? Yes, there is no champion. They Because they made the stipulation that the title would be vacated off of Henry, no matter what, once that fight started, the title is now just vacant. Well, the obvious sort of spin next is, uh, what do we do? Does this mean the end of the division? Should this mean the end of the division? You know, Brandon, Dana and company have been so passive-aggressive, push and pull about the future of the flyweights, cutting a whole bunch of them, letting Demetrius Johnson get traded, and then suddenly going, oh, wait, hold on, Uh, we're not killing this thing. Henry Cejudo's moving on, so here's your vacant title bout. Brandon, I think people want me to say, yep, let's pack it up. This failure is over with. Only I can't because that fight was so damn good, and I know you know this inside yourself. They emptied the t- they emptied the jug on Saturday. They reminded you of what a pinball match this can be when these guys are getting near submissions. They're letting their hands go. What a freaking fight! Yes, Davison Figueredo screwed himself in the end. I-, I can't believe I'm saying this, but hey, let these guys live. Let's keep them around. All right. How about we do a rematch? I don't need Cejudo in this anymore. He doesn't want it. Keep him out. I know people want to see Figueredo Cejudo. I'm not one of them. Let's do this fight over again. I'm glad you figured out after you botched it at the first time to figure out how to say D. Evanson Figueredo's last name. Um, now it's D. Evanson? Dude, is this really what you're trying to pull on the show? Yeah. Um, dude, that guy is legitimately good. Even though he missed weight by two and a half pounds and just had nothing left to be able to cut on Friday, like, he's been in some brawls in his last few fights. Like... His fight with Alejandra Pantoja was a monster fight in 2019, and he's just been – ever since they, they like made that weird announcement where it seemed like they were getting rid of the division, all of his fights have been ridiculous. Like He's just said, screw it. I'm going out there, guns blazing, come stop me kind of guy. Like He did not fear Joe Benavidez whatsoever in there, and Joe, to his credit – was throwing haymakers, even though they didn't land. And it, it felt like really awkward because he was throwing that straight right, like as hard as he could, but it wasn't getting anywhere near Figueredo's face. It, I don't think Joe was ready for that kind of war. And that's why he ended up getting caught and then getting dropped and stopped. 
So I, I really think we need more Figueredo, like you said. I There's a lot of fights to make at Flyweight, man. And if you've got a guy like that who's willing to brawl and who is at the top of the division, he's going to make fun fights. He really impressed me. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, he was uh... – you know, six and one, he improves to seven and one in the UFC with this win. Uh, you know, I, I'd seen him before. He hadn't really won me over yet. Well, hey, wake up, BC. He won me over now, Brandon. And you're seeing the knee jerk reaction from a lot of people just going, OK, he just sent, you know, Benavides to the to the dark depths. Why don't we just bring back Cejudo and find out who really is the best at 125? Well, I would buy into that, Brandon, if Cejudo was going to hang around. But what happens if they do that and he wins? Then we're in the same spot all over again. So I am all in because you got to be penalized for not making weight. I mean, look, I, I know I can say that. And here I'm trying to give uh, Yoel Romero every chance to win a title. I want him to fight for a title every fight, even though he screws himself. But the deal is, look, that was a competitive fight. It was a fun-ass fight. Let's give Joe one more time. Let's give him one chance. Let's rematch it. If Joseph Benavidez wins, you got a trilogy right here. Brandon, I'm not against the idea of this title bouncing around for a while, and we and we have some fun in this division. Maybe it's as a sort of knee-jerk reaction to what was the history of this division, which is Demetrius Johnson dominating. And again, Brandon, it was never his fault, right? We said he had a boring style. He turned into a knockout guy. Then he turned into a submission highlight reel guy. Then it turned into, I'll beat you however you want me to beat you. But his dominance and the low ratings of the it did kill the division. It really did. It's not his fault, but it killed it. I think some of us inside just kind of held that against Mighty Mouse. Well, he's gone. Why don't we just have fun now? If you're going to keep these guys around, if you want to be the UFC and you want to have the best of the best, well, there's a lot of really good fighters at 125. So keep this division open. Run this fight back. Or get the guy who's next in line. Okay? But don't get rid of it. It's not time now. It's not time. You know when was time? after the Demetrius Johnson trade. But they decided to sort of go, well, I don't really know what we're doing. And then it just so happened that Cejudo had the the star power for when he did win the title. They're like, oh, crap, we got something here. Well, guess what? Cejudo doesn't want to fight there anymore. And I don't necessarily blame him, Brandon. I don't want, co I don't want two division champions anymore. Unless you're doing it to make a statement about your legacy, I don't want people carrying two belts at once. Because there's always been a, uh, there's been no sort of fair rule on, on who gets stripped and who doesn't, right? DC got stripped the day after. Connor got stripped pretty soon after becoming a two, you know, a, a champ champ. But yet Amanda can just do whatever she wants and defend either way. It just doesn't make any sense. You can't have two divisions. You can't have a champion on top of two divisions. You're holding that hostage. So with that said, get Suhudo the hell out of here and have some fun. Does it cost a lot to put these title fights on as like a co-main? No, probably not. What's What am I missing here? Why would we shut the door? Well, it's not even that. It's just like you need these kind of titles for these kind of events. Like they give some um, drawing power a little bit at least to these fight night events that are not just like number seven contender versus number 12 contender, you know, as a main event. The, while the interest might not have been there on Saturday night, these are still important fights, you know, like, and they're fun. They're hardcore fight, hardcore fan fights, but they are fun fights. Like the flyweights for as much as we talk about it. And, and you've even said this before. It's like people don't like watching small guys fight. Everybody wants to watch the heavyweights. That's why in boxing, the heavyweight division is the, it, it's what uh, 
as boxing goes as the heavyweight division goes, right? Um, there's a reason for that because small guys don't create the kind of power that are crazy knockouts. But if we've got guys like Devinson Figueredo and Joe Benavides just going at it, you're going to see the knockouts, you know, like you're going to see brawls and that's going to create more fun. And if we can get more guys like that in this division, this is not going to be a, a boring division. The, the division was never truly boring, right? Like we just created that, that myth based on um, Demetrius being so dominant and not having a top contender consistently to for him to face. So yes, you got to keep the division. You have to keep, making fun fights in the division and we'll see what happens. But to go back to your point, do you just want Amanda to drop her featherweight title? Because it's like, I don't know where you're going with the fact that you don't want two division champions anymore. She wants to fight and defend both belts. It's UFC's fault for not creating contenders for her at 145. Oh, it's true. I mean, look, there's a there's a major problem at 145. There has always been in terms of a lack of depth and just blowing up bantamweights. Although we're you know we're going to talk in a second about what we saw in Norfolk this weekend in terms of two contenders actually rising up. But um, no, look, I I'm not against fights that produce champ champs, but I think it should be a graduation to the next weight class. So if Henry Cejudo is going to fight for the Bantamweight title, which he did against Marais, and if he wins, then it's like, okay, this is his graduation to 35. He's saying goodbye to 25, and then let's do something fun to fill the new belt, whether it be just taking the, the number one and two contenders or doing a four-man tourney or something. Let's do let's, – let's find a new king. But this whole, like, you know – well, we got to strip DC because John Jones is coming back. Like that, that, there's no, there's no rules in that. It just makes no sense. I think overall, you're you're hijacking things. Now, Nunes is a different scenario because there's just no one for her to fight. So the fact that we're only getting a women's featherweight title defense once a year, uh, it actually kind of was making sense lately. There is nobody for her to fight. So in that regard, whatever. But um, no. We got things, dude. I feel bad for Joe Benavides, though. I, I've always felt bad for him. Brandon, he's he's almost an all-time great fighter. He has been a, a fairly great performer in his career. And guess what? He beats Hudo in 2016 in an absolute instant classic. And for him to constantly be wearing that bridesmaid dress the whole run, dude, losing twice to Dominic Cruz, losing twice to Demetrius Johnson, um, it's rough, man. He fought his heart out on Saturday. Uh, you know, maybe he'll end up being known as Mr. Megan O'Leary by the by the time his wife's career is over. It's you know, it's par for the course here. Yeah, I mean, he's 37 now. It's so tough to see him getting. It. I mean, if they do run it back and do another fight, that'd be one thing. But for him to have to then work his way back into a title fight again at this point in his career, it's just so tough to like imagine that being possible. Yeah, and I. I hope they give him a rematch, but at the same time, it's like that was a pretty thorough beating, I thought, in that second round. Like once once Figueredo figured him out, like I didn't think Joe was very competitive in that round. I mean, it's not a bad thing being Mr. Megan Oliva. You know, you got to imagine. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll just I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brandon. OK, I'm sorry. All right. He's had a great run. People think he beat. Demetrius Johnson and that split decision loss in the inaugural title bout. I know he got sent to the packing in the first round of the rematch, but um, he's had a great run. I wished, Brandon, we could have done this over. I wish Suhudo would have committed to one more cut to 25, and we would have allowed Joseph Benavides to get that rematch. I think it was very sellable. 
You could have even put the the future of the division on the line in that fight if you wanted to. My whole point about the the flyweights is this, Brandon. UFC has to make a decision. I've been harping on that for you know for like a year now. I would prefer you keep them, but if you dump them, make a damn decision, right? It's it's not fair. Just just make a damn decision. Yep. You can't cut half a division and then just be like, no, we're gonna keep the rest of these like eight guys. We'll figure it out from here. Just just stop it. They they literally signed Jose Shorty Torres from Titan FC for two fights and then decided, eh, let's not go this route. Yeah. Like what? I know. It's stop that crap, right? Stop that crap. Stop it. Stop it. Thank you. Thank you. Hey Shout Brandon, um what oh, you got something to say? What do you got to say? No, I said shout out to Teddy. Yeah, shout out to Teddy Atlas. Thank you. Uh, well, I got very Teddy-like right there. See the Staten Island come out of me? I'm not even going there. All right. <laughs> hey, Brandon, also UFC Norfolk gave us uh, two women's featherweight contenders, like I mentioned, Felicia Spencer, Megan Anderson, both getting very impressive first-round finishes. Spencer was able to take down and finish via vicious elbows Zyra Fairn, Fairn the taller Brazilian fighter, and Megan Anderson, your girl. Sending Norma Dumont in her UFC debut to hell with a beautiful, a freaking beautiful right cross. Now, here's where it gets complicated, Brandon, okay? Amanda Nunes said before this fight she wants to defend her feather title at 250, which is in Brazil on May 9th. That's the Aldo Cejudo card. And she was hoping one of these people would make a statement. Well, guess what? Both made a statement. Is it a problem, though, Brandon? That Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson already fought a year ago, and Spencer won by first-round submission in kind of a weird fight where we didn't really learn everything. Does that mean Spencer has to get the next shot? Oh, gosh. This is, again, this is like what we were talking about before where the featherweight division is just a mess where you've probably got four, maybe three fighters that are like legitimately decent at 145 in the women's division. Are you counting Holly Holm in that group? Uh, no, I wasn't, but I guess you have to. Um, like the the women's featherweight division is a disaster. It's not a division. And to say, There's no rankings. There's no division, Brandon. But to say like that these two are like the next contenders now after they beat two people who were one was making her UFC debut and the other one was just it's just like an also reign in the division who's just there like that's kind of a joke at this point and Spencer to me is like levels above Megan Anderson she looks so good for the division she she's just like a more well-rounded fighter and she got if she didn't fight Chris Cyborg and last year, she probably would have been fighting Amanda at this point, like just based on how she's looked so far. Another part of my problem with the champ champ thing right now is that Amanda's so dominant compared to the rest of the group. So these divisions are so close together that a lot of times you create blown up bantamweights going, hey, I'm down the, you know, I'm down the rankings here at 135. What if I put on 10 pounds and go to feather? I might have a shorter path to a title. The problem is if these 135s have any kind of pulse, they've already gone in there against Amanda and gotten beat. So they're not necessarily going to go to featherweight and suddenly be in the queue. Imagine if you're Rocky Pennington. You're like, you know what? I already fought for a title at 35. Uh, I'm kind of going nowhere. Hey, why don't I go up to feather? No, nobody's going to buy you against Nunes. So that's why I think it may be time to give up this belt. It may be time to do Spencer versus Megan Anderson for the vacant title in a rematch. The problem again there is there's nobody... 
to defend against afterwards. So, Brandon, um, I don't think they should fight each other right now unless it's for the title. I do kind of agree that it's got to be Felicia next because she beat Megan Anderson. But if Nunes is going to stay champion, you might as well fight Felicia Spencer this year and then fight Megan Anderson next year because it seems like you're only getting one title defense per year per division in the Lioness era. Well, I mean, we also don't know what her plans are for the year. We don't know how many times she wants to fight. So there, that rumor, that report came out this weekend before this card that Amanda wants to fight at UFC 250 in Brazil this May, and she wants to defend her featherweight title, like you mentioned. If she fights then and she fights Felicia, let, let's just say she wins, you don't know if she, she might be able to come back in like August or September and then fight again in, de- in December, you know? I think both of these girls, Brandon, while not nearly on the level of Amanda Nunes, are credible challengers who I think could make fun fights, and I could kind of talk myself into avenues to victory. I might need a few drinks to get there, but I could kind of talk myself to be... I mean, look, your girl, Megan Anderson, you got to give her credit for how much she's grown in terms of her skill set, and when you're a six-foot-tall, long, lanky, powerful featherweight who has ground skills, I mean, you're, you're someone that we have to sort of go, wow, this, there's a bright future. And then you look at Spencer, she's just freaking solid. She is so strong on the ground. I kind of want to see both of these fights, and I've never really said that about women's featherweight. You know, G- yeah. look how great GDR did against Amanda in the rematch, right? Don't you think GDR deserves a run at, at, the, four, at the 45 belt that they stripped from her for no reason without having to go through Amanda? Hmm. <sighs> I guess I don't know. I, I just I, I do agree with you that Megan against Amanda would be an interesting matchup just based on the size discrepancy, like being a six foot featherweight versus Amanda, who's like, what, five, nine, five, ten ish and just thick. I feel like that would be interesting in terms of Amanda striking against her when she's got to do a lot more reaching. But Felicia against against Amanda is actually really interesting just because they're comparable size wise, but Felicia comes in a little bit bulkier with muscle at featherweight and the wrestling would probably cancel each other out. So it'll be a striking showdown between those two. And I think that would be even more fun, but I, man, I don't really have a use for GDR at this point. Like I know you love how she looked in that fight against Amanda, but GDR fought like it? a like a like a real woman. She she won me over in that fight. All right, but she's she wants to fight at one thirty five. She doesn't want to fight at one forty five. Well, she'll probably end up with a trilogy against Amanda because there's no one else. <laughs> Brandon Winlet. I mean, Aspen Lad will be ready eventually, but there's nobody else. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Man, this is weird. Right, but you're against me stripping these women. <laughs> Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, we'll see where that goes from here. I like that we actually have someone credible to talk about against Amanda. Uh, hey, can you tell me about your boy, this Romanian psychopath, that light heavyweight, Ion Kutelaba? Uh, he, he rushes Magomed Ankalaev on Saturday before they even started the fight. And then 38 seconds in, there's a really weird stoppage because Kute Laba is acting punch drunk but was kind of faking. And then he slapped the referee's arm. And I, and I know he dresses up in all green and rips off his clothes at weigh-ins. Um, should I be on this train? Yeah, there you go. You're holding them up. There's your Incredible Hulk 
figurine. Uh, Brandon, should I? I should be on this guy's train. He's sorry, he's Moldovian, not Romanian. Moving forward, right? I mean, this guy is instant uh, entertainment every time. Wait, what? You think you should be like a supporter of this guy? I think I should get behind this this absolute psychopath. I think I think he's my type of guy. I, I'm sorry. I am I am befuddled now. Bring it. You you are talking to you want to make fun of me and my clowns. This is a bigger clown than Johnny Walker or or Michelle Pereira. Are you kidding me? You're telling me this dude who painted himself green for a way in to look like the Hulk then tried to like fake punch this dude Magomed. And Anakalayev, I can't even say that name, at the at the weigh-in, and then tried to push him during the introductions for the fight when they are literally about to fight. You're telling me that this guy is not a clown. I'm what telling are you, you that, smoking? That there dude? are different flavors of crazy. Grant, have you ever dated wild women? I mean, there's different flavors of crazy <laughs> for different people. Okay, your version of crazy with these circus clowns dancing and doing weird ish, not my cup of tea. This version of crazy, this like post-jail Mike Tyson version? Yeah, I'm in on it. Let me see every fight moving forward for this guy. Let me go on Fight Pass and catch up everything I missed. You mean a guy who literally told the referee that he was faking being punched drunk yes. while literally wobbling around the ring? This was bizarre, is, and I loved is it. Is your kind of cup of tea. It was bizarre, and I got I got news for you, Eon. Thank you for joining us, man. Yeah. I love you. Thank you. I love it. I love it. Okay? Get me more of it, Brandon. All right? You know, Dana's saying, yes, yes. No, 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 Dana. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. I love it. Okay? Oh, come on, Anderson. I say, come on, Dana. <laughs> come on. Dana say, no, 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 no. I say, yeah, 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 yeah. And Dana say, no, 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 no. I say, yeah, 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 yeah. Why not? You Why know? not, Brandon? Why not get on this guy's <laughs> train, bro? You are an odd, odd person. That's all I can say. Like this dude, this dude is an absolute clown, and you think that he could be like the next big thing? Okay, you you put the big thing in my <laughs> in my mouth, which is is just disgusting to begin with. But um, what I'm saying here, Brandon, is I need to watch every fight now and and cheer on the uh, the wild ish that's going to break out because this was a you- a tour de crazy that I can get behind. Okay. Have you looked at his Wikipedia page, by the way? Yes. What am I missing? Okay. Well, I'm just saying, like, look at who his losses are to and look at who his wins are over. Dude, he stopped the UFC. Khalil Roundtree. That doesn't mean uh, nothing. That, that's a big win there. Okay. He also lost to Misha Serkinov, Jared Cannonier, and Glover Teixeira. Very qualified like, fighters, just so you know. Okay? Just so you're I, aware. Yeah, I'm saying he's never going to be an elite fighter is what I'm saying. Brandon, I'm not cheering for elite. I'm cheering for crazy. Thank you. Get it straight. Get it right. There are different kinds of entertainment in this game. Okay? All right. Well, did you think the stoppage was bad or did you think it was good? I get what the referee did. He thought he was rocked. So, you know, it, no, overall, it's a bad stoppage, but I get it. You can't act like you're rocked because in the middle of that, it looked like he actually was getting rocked. So, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it was just, it was dumb strategy. So early in you the can't fight, rope, you can't rope a dope in MMA. Like, no, this ain't boxing. No, this ain't, this ain't a lot of things, right? You know what I'm saying? This ain't Birdo. This ain't, <laughs> this ain't Birdo. This ain't Klitschko, right? This ain't Jorge Coda. This ain't Jorge Coda. Thank you, thank you. Anyone who listens to the boxing <laughs> show gets all those weird references. Um, 
All right, that's it for Norfolk. Unless you want to tell me about how happy you are for uh, Psycho Bob Ross and, and his adoption. Because every nominee was a touching moment, okay, Luis Pena? Jesus Christ. Dude, like, can you like, at least show it some respect? I respect all these fighters, Brandon, okay? And, uh, you know, I respect them too much. Thank you. Thank you. Did I did I just like completely miss the fact that Mar- Martin Tybura was back this weekend and I didn't know it? I saw it and I wasn't moved. Okay. Yeah, I think we can move on. He fought Sergey Spivak. What do you want from me? Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying I didn't even realize he was fighting this weekend. That's how forgettable he is at heavyweight. All right, Brandon. Quickly around the horn in the news cycle. Uh, Paul Felder not calling it quits after that hellaciously close loss to. Dan Hooker in the lightweight rankings, the 35-year-old, of course, has a burgeoning broadcasting career. Right call in your eyes? Yeah, man. Like, he's he's clearly still there. Like, this, that fight was the perfect spot for a guy, for two guys that are six and seven in lightweight, the deepest division in the UFC. And he clearly is at that level. Like, we might have not thought about him in that way in the last two years. Like, we've talked about it before where we're like, He's a good fighter. He's he's all right. He can hang with some of the lower level names, but he slowly built himself up into a contender and a dis, a close decision loss like that should not be the end where you end your career. Like you have big fights ahead of you still. Yeah. He's still one of the best around at 155. <laughs> Um, I don't think he'll ever crack that inner inner circle, but he can still win fights. You know, there's still money to be made. You just feel bad for a guy. Where's the heart on his sleeve? Uh, Brandon, uh, Tito Ortiz's win over former WWE <laughs> champion Alberto Del Rio in the Combate promotion was uh, no contested, and now it's back. Uh, did he take a substance? I, I stopped reading at a certain point. Do we care? We don't care, right? No. No. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Brandon, I want to play fill in the blank. Are you ready for this, Brandon? I did not prep you. That's the whole part of this game. That's fantastic, okay? Okay, let's see how weird you get today. Uh, Devison Figueredo, who we had established, knocked out Joseph Benavides to win, I guess, a partial claim of the, of the flyweight championship. Had bleach blonde hair with a red streak going through it. The best word to describe that haircut was blank. Not new because he's had it for like three fights and you just haven't noticed. All right. I would fill in the word badass into the blank there. Okay. <laughs> badass. Badass haircut. I am down with that. In fact, I, I did co- I did contemplate it for a second, Brandon. Can I pull that yeah. off? I can't pull that off, right? So you would, you're saying you would die. You would bleach your hair blonde like yes. you were back in like elementary school or middle school. Yes. And then put a red streak into the side. I think I could. I think I think I can pull that off. Nobody in my life does. I feel like your wife would actually divorce you then. Yeah, we'd be on the we'd be on the edge here. Okay, Brandon, number two, uh, your girl Megan Anderson, after her KO one over Norma Dumont, did a shooey in the crowd, Australian style, of course, where you fill a cup of beer into a shoe and drink it right out of there. On a scale of sexy to gross, you would score that move a blank. <clears throat> uh, majestic. <laughs> Uh, I was disgusted by it. Thank you. Thank you. That's fine. <laughs> but some people have different flavors. She's a tall, tatted, beautiful woman. You know, whatever. Whatever floats your boat, Brandon. Okay. I mean, you're disgusted by a lot of weird things. So this is not a surprise to me. Okay. Okay. Uh, your boy, Chris Weidman, 
is back. And everybody, thank you. And this is still my boy. Uh, he has agreed to face. He ain't my, he ain't my boy uh, no more. He, <laughs> he has agreed to face Jack Hermanson in a middleweight main event at UFC OKC on May 2nd, Brandone. I'll question here. In your eyes, the last fight that Chris Weidman was actually Chris Weidman inside the octagon was blank. I mean, it's got to be the Kelvin Gastelum fight. Yeah, he saved his career with that fight to a certain degree. Um, I almost don't feel like he's ever really been Chris Weidman since the first two rounds of the Rockhold fight. And then he made that stupid mistake. You could make that argument, but it's like he took down somebody that you keep telling me is like a legit 185-er now in uh, Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah, yeah, Kelvin Gastelum, yeah. He almost won. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. I mean, he he yeah. was one half of the fight of the year last year, Brandon. Right. Based on one fight, you're telling me he's like a legit top two or three 185 right now. Brandon, he fought like a damn champion. And Chris Weidman beat him. Okay. So maybe that was the last time Chris Weidman. <laughs> anyway, he's back. He's not back for long. That's okay. what I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, Brandon, I want you to fill in this blank. Uh, the PFL, you know them? They have announced that all six 2019 champions will return for the upcoming 2020 season. Besides Kayla Harrison, the amount of the remaining five fighters that you can name that won championships last year is blank. Oh, man. Uh, there's like three guys I can think of off the top of my head. Um Ray Cooper the third? Yes, the welterweight champ, yes. Uh how about Magomed Magomed Sharapov? Uh let's check. Um Does Rory count? Nope. Alright, you got um, one, Brandon. I'm surprised you didn't get two time featherweight champ Lance Palmer. Damn it. Yeah, I should have known that. How about the dude who was on the broadcast team for them? The heavyweight. Yeah, that would involve me watching the broadcast closely, Brandon. Uh, two-time lightweight champion Natan Schultz is back. Emiliano Sordi, the light heavyweight king, is back. And heavyweight Ali Asayev. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, how Your excitement level entering 2020. I will save that for when they come back around. <laughs> wow. All right, Brandon, number five. You are aforementioned a new homeowner. With a very large man room in your basement. Brandon, question. Your most prized piece of MMA-related memorabilia, uh, knick-knack, that you displayed first is blank. That poster, I displayed first? Poster, action figure. What's the what's the thing in your collection that, you know, when you got into that new man room, you're like, this thing's going up right now? Um, I mean, I haven't hung any pictures in this house yet, so it's not up, but I mean, I have those, I'm starting to collect fight posters and I've got the one for McGregor, Cowboy and, uh, Jones and Reyes that I'm going to hang up. All right. I've also got, I've also got the new one for this week too. And the most prized one that I'm going to have is going to be the one for April, the Tony Habib poster that. When that finally happens, that poster is going to be so sick on the wall. You should frame that front front and center in your basement, okay? Front and center. Um, Did you save me, by the way, a Romero Adesanya poster? Because we're friends. I did. Thank you. I I did. Thank you very much. I have to reshuffle in my room here. Although, shout out to to, um, 
uh, Sandu MMA. You know my boy? Yeah, I'm still jealous of this poster. I really want that. The poster of the artwork of the uh, of all the UFC champions at the time of the 25th anniversary. Yes, Tim Sylvia. All right. Yeah, all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, let's roll on with this show here, uh, Brandone. It's time to get into the weekend, and that, of course, is UFC 248. I'm fired up. We should be. I lament a little bit, though, Brando. This was a pretty deep and damn good-looking fight on paper when it was first announced. We lost two middleweight bouts that have really hurt the undercard. Of course, when Derek Brunson, Edmund Shabazian, we were going to find out if head movement is the future of MMA, was moved to a future fight night card. And what was the other one? It was uh, Robert Whitaker making his comeback against... Jared Cannonier. Oh, that would have been gold. That would have been great. But uh, first, Robert Whitaker pulled out with personal issues. Then Cannonier had a chest muscle injury, so we weren't going to get him against against Till filling in either. So, Brandon, this undercard kind of kind of s's the horn a little bit, but you know that's okay. That's okay. There's a couple things worth talking about. But there's two title bouts that we really care about. One of them involving the greatest women's female strawweight fighter in the history of planet Earth, Brandon, okay? Double J, Joanna Champion, Jonna Champion, sorry, Jonna Champion, uh, Boogie Woman. Did you call her Jonna? <laughs> so this comes up in our interview here. I've noticed, um, you know, people have been butchering her name for years. It took us a long time to figure out that it's Young Jacek. You know, in fact, Brett Okamoto, who, who she's declared is the, the best-looking MMA journalist, uh, it took him a long time to really train me on that. But we've all been saying, Joanna? She says, Jana. This comes up in this interview I'm about to throw to. See, she says, Jana. Get right. woke. Brandon, get woke, okay? Get woke. It's about time. The Polish the Polish are weird people. How dare? First of all, how dare you, Okay. By the way, if you want to check out another uh, bright Polish up-and-comer, uh, unbeaten heavyweight Adam Kovnatsky is the guest this week on the State of Combat Boxing Pod. You know they're close, her and her and Yana, right? Him and Yana. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly All right. close. All right. Hey, we're going to throw it to her right now. I had a great time sitting down with the Boogie Woman in NYC this week. I think I'm going to end up on uh, Embedded. I got a good shot here. Cameras were following me. I think they got my good side, Brandon. So check that out this week. Uh, you can watch this interview on YouTube under the CBS Sports account. But you're going to hear it right now. It's Yuana Young Jacek coming up in your ear hole. Enjoy. Greatest strawweight fighter in UFC <laughs> history is back to take her crown this Saturday. UFC 248, Yuana Young Jacek. Can I hear it? Boogie Woman is coming on Saturday. Uh, yes, definitely. I'm back, uh, but uh, I was never gone. You know? But I'm, I'm happy to face the best again and fight for the strawweight title. You will be facing the best, the co-main event on Saturday in Las Vegas against Zhang Wei Li. Let's talk about the whole, you all must have forgot, you know? <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. You've been here for years. Yes. How hard was it when you lost your title and you, you get that immediate backlash if she's done? The, 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 the reign <laughs> is over. Uh, actually, it's been a great time. I was the champ for uh, almost 966 days and and it's been more than 830 days uh, since I lost the belt here in New York and we having third champion already yeah and uh, it 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 means that uh, uh I was the champ for a reason and uh, 
that's why I'm here facing the best on Saturday, March 7, and winning the belt, taking this belt back home. And actually the time without belt was, was okay, you know, and I found out more about myself as a human so I can be better athlete and, and the focus I have, determination and motivation I feel. Uh, and I felt for this fight still because we are just a few days away. Uh, it was probably, uh, the best in my life, you know. That's interesting. How yeah. how a loss could be the best thing to to recharge. Sometimes, you. yeah. Sometimes we we have to lose uh, something uh, or or lost some people or lose some people to to gain more. And and this is what happened in my personal life and in my uh, uh, life as an athlete. And I'm here, happy and ready to uh, rock and roll, take over the world again. <laughs> well, you've got a chance on Saturday to make legitimate history, first female fighter. Yeah to win back the title that yes. you once lost. And you're already, like I mentioned, the historically the queen of this division. But what about that lady standing in front of you, Zhang Weili? She's new to the scene. Yeah. Knocked out she, Jessica Yeah, Andrade. She shocked the world in August. Uh, she won the belt uh, in China against Jessica Andrade, uh, who I uh, beat in 2017 in May. Uh, I was expecting Jessica Andrade to show up better in her first title defense. Uh, it didn't happen. Uh, really shocked the world. She, she took the belt very quick uh, in a good way. And, you know, I... I always wanted to face the best and I will be facing the best. She's my next big uh, challenge. She's very dangerous, very strong. Uh, she throws loopy, uh, crispy and very powerful punches. Uh, so I will have to be very smart in this fight. Smart and clever first and then uh, use my uh, weapons, you know, my tools, my reach, my distance, my footwork and my jab. Uh, there is so many aces in my pocket, but... Uh, let's not talk about it. Uh, I will show it on Saturday. Uh, playing poker, we're throwing fists there. She's got a great <laughs> ground game. How much has yes, that been part yes, of the training does. and the build-up for this? Uh, she's looking for submissions on the ground. She's very strong, very muscular. You know, I, I'm very tall in this division, but she's shorter, but very muscular. Uh, but... Uh, you know, I've been training with the best. Mikey Brown is my head coach, and we've been we've been practicing a lot. But uh, I'm improving my jujitsu game with uh, with every camp. American Top Team is simply the best gym in the world. Uh, we won uh, the best gym uh, of the year award two times, uh, two years in a row. So it, it it means a lot to me to the people who are training there. We have so many great athletes from all of the world. So every day we're learning from each other, supporting each other, and 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 pushing each other. Nothing but world champions down there at ATT <laughs> yeah. supporting each other though. What's this drama with Colby Covington? Is this behind you? Oh, who's Colby? Never. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. No, there is a uh, American Top Team is such a great uh, house of uh, super professional uh, athletes, uh, champions, and the number, the owner, the managers, uh, Richie, Primo, all the coaches that are putting tons of work to uh, keep us together, to keep it uh, like a family. And uh, there is no space, you say, yeah, for for acting like this, like Colby Covington, you know, he's back to the gym, but definitely he's more humble than he was. But uh, let's not talk about Colby. Yeah, there is so many better things to the talk queen about. Behind the of scenes. course, he has a... to, you know, you have to uh, act like a man. You cannot act like a teenager, teenager or boy and 
uh, he should learn how to say hi, hello, good morning, I'm so sorry. He's not the king, he's acting. Maybe you saw him acting like a king, like fake Conor McGregor on the videos, but he doesn't have this money to afford like someone opening the door for him or the older limo. Hey, Colby, come on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Keep that circle small here. Let's stay humble. Uh, I want to talk to you about the mindset of a fighter because we know to be a champion in the UFC like anywhere else, it's the mental yeah. strength even above the physical strength. It is, you're right. There is more than 500 athletes in the in the UFC from all of the world and only, what, 12, 13 divisions we have to 13 champions. So uh, getting the title shot and winning the belt... Uh, Means a lot. It means a lot, and you getting you get into the league. You know, you uh, you special. If you make it, you special. Well, you certainly have proven that speciality. But when you lost the title in those two fights to Rose Nami, it was yes. obviously the second one incredibly close. close. One of the Could better, go either way, but yeah, I think it's the best female fight in <laughs> UFC history. Yeah, thank by you the so way, much. it was good, a true classic. Hear. But you were sort of labeled as like a a villain suddenly after those two fights, a bully in the media. Oh, she's talking too much trash. Is there such a thing as talking too much trash when it gets heated in the build up to a fight? No, I don't do trash talking. And some people are, uh, you yes, you do. No, I don't do because I don't insult my uh, opponents. You know, and uh, very often there are interviews or 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 materials on the internet uh, that are not true, and very often. People hear some, say some, uh, they hear the rumor, but uh, isn't isn't true. And this is life of a celebrity. I'm not a celebrity. I'm myself. You know, I'm the same Joanna I was 10, 15, 20 years ago. But uh, people like gossip, you know, and they like creating new stories and adding, 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 adding new lines uh, to it. Uh, I know who I am, and I don't have to prove. Uh, to people who I who I really am, you know, because I know who is Joanna Injecic as an as a human woman and, and 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 an athlete, you know. I've been in this business for seventeen years, and there are going people who are uh, uh, there are people who are going to doubt me all the time, every day in my personal life, in my business life, uh, uh, sports life. Uh, but I don't care. I, I'm living my best life, and and I do my job with the belt, without the belt. I carry myself as a champ because I made it to the league. There is. Uh, I'm like, show me another strawweight who's that dedicated and that decorated in the in the UFC. No. They haven't made one yet. All right. But you talked how those narratives can yeah. get started. People can gossip. Do you feel like you're now... That there's, no, that there's no such thing as good no. guys or bad guys in the build to a fight? Yeah. Like, like, what's the biggest misconception people have about you? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That they don't know me and they they trying to judge me, but but they don't know me. But... I do not really care. I know who I am and who I have around uh, around me and uh, who uh, I'm working with. You know the, the 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 companies, the the messages I get from my fans from all over the world every single day. And uh, I don't care about you know. It's a fight game. Uh, it's somehow it, it this world is very aggressive and and and, and there is a violence. But for me, it's all closed in a in a small box uh, it's like when there is a violence it's like sports violence you know you have to be aggressive it's a fighting world uh, isn't poker that you see it look at each other you play a game there is no time to play a game and uh, there is no room uh, for a games in in martial arts so uh, if someone is trying to like tell me that I'm weak or I'm not going to win. I, I, I stand my ground and I'm going uh, to show my face. You know? 
All right, if you stand your ground on Saturday against Zhang Weili and win back that championship, do you think much about what that would do to your legacy? Uh, definitely. The, the one victory on, on Saturday, March 7 in Vegas, is going to be bigger than my whole uh, whole fighting career. I've been in this business for 17 years. I was six times Muay Thai world champion, five times European Muay Thai champion. Uh, I carried the strawweight belt for uh, more than two years and... Uh, you know, there is a scar on my soul, on my, on my heart. And even after this victory on Saturday, it's still going to be there, you know, but, uh, but I'm going to be the happiest person in the world, you know, and I will cement my legacy, uh, proving that some people made a big mistakes before my, before I lost the belt, you know, and it's not my excuse. I'm, I always want to deliver the truth. And this is, this is what I do. I'm real and I'm very honest. And people uh, are hurt because they hear all the time same uh, story from me over and over. But this is the truth, you know. And I was not a competitor that night. I lost the belt. I was going to defend my belt for the sixth time, uh, six times, and and tie tie the Ronda Rose's uh, record of six successful yeah. title defenses. But it's behind me, man. I'm looking forward. To, uh, I'm jumping on new patch. All right, I've been told <laughs> never to ask a woman about her weight, so you're gonna have to forgive oh, me man, here. Oh man, no, I'm but, I'm 33 and uh, and I'm, I'm super uh, super light. And honestly, I, I, if this fight fight week is going to be like the one in uh, the one I had in Tampa in October, it's going to be easy. I will smoke the uh, the, the 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 weight cut. And I have learned a lot after all the weight cuts, uh, broken hands, uh, lost fights because of the wrong weight cuts and wrong people. Uh, they all think that they are super pro and they know what they're doing. But at the end, uh, it's me, my colleagues, the fighters who are struggling themselves, uh, dying in the hot tubs. And uh, that's why I put lots of, uh, lots of uh, attention uh, during camp. Uh, I'm... Uh, I have been on diet for the last 10 weeks, you know. I love healthy food. I released my cooking book in Poland a few, few months ago. Right. I want to have my coffee shop and serve, uh, I want to serve uh, gluten-free cakes, healthy breakfast, uh, breakfast, but uh, for the last 10 weeks I was on diet and, and it's not like, oh, you can have a small piece of chocolate. No, I can't. It's my trophy after the fight. And some people, uh, they don't know, like, oh, do a cheat day, you're going to feel better. No. Be disciplined, be motivated. So that's why my weight is super low right now and I will don't have to struggle during fight week. I, I will rest, I will hit all the media, the fight week and, and step on scale on, on Friday morning and, and be fresh and ready to, to face the best on Saturday. And, and it's important to listen to your body and, uh, because at the end it's all about you and your health, you know. Hey, you can make that, that, but my weight is super low. I don't want to uh, tell you the numbers, but, uh, you know, if you 10 pounds before, uh, 10 pounds before the fight week or even less, uh, you're good. You're at home. So I'm at home. I love it. I love the attitude. I love the, the presence here heading into such a big fight. I talked to one of your old foes, though. Okay. Give me a second here. Claudia yeah. Gadelha. Yeah. She just told me this. She said it's still real to her. This feud will never die. She will get a third fight, title or not. She said just always be ready because that yeah. third fight is coming. Just when you hear stuff like that, okay. does it matter to you? It's, it's, it's... No, no. I don't know if UFC is willing to pay that big money and, uh, you know, for Claudia Gadea. 
big numbers, <laughs> big numbers. On the flip side. And after I win, like the stocks uh, are going up much more, you know. On the flip side, you had the two fights with Rose. Do you have that same feeling like you? No, it's all about having the belt, and um, it's not. It's not only about having the belt physically, but I wanna be back to having this uh, this this belt because uh, it means a lot. To, to me uh, here inside and and that's the thing uh, you know I'm good with Rose we talk to each other we support each other not often we are not friends but uh, we good you know we respect each other and and uh, no I just want my belt it's not like I want to face someone I want to revenge you know it's not about the revenge the revenge is the best self called so there is a time for everything All right, I like that I like that has there been any ill will between you and Zhang Weili heading into this fight uh, not really, not really. She doesn't speak English and, you know, no, no, not really. All right. I want to talk about your native land, Poland. Who's the yeah. biggest fight star at the moment right there? <laughs> Is it you? Is it Jan Blachowicz? Is it my man, heavyweight boxer, Adam Kovnatsky? Uh, definitely Kovnatsky, Jan Blachowicz, uh, JJ. We have so many great athletes, MMA uh, fighters and, and boxers, but definitely people uh, can't wait uh, for Adam Kovnatsky to win his fight on, on Saturday, March 7, and, and uh, see him fighting for the heavyweight. He's close. Uh, He'll be in yeah. Brooklyn on Fox. He feels like he's one fight away from yeah. the title. He told me this, though. When he gets the win on Saturday against Robert Olenius, he'll do two things. Check out your fight <laughs> and grab some punchkis. Did I say punchki, that right? Punchki, yeah, punchki. Actually, last time I went to uh, to the store next to my apartment in uh, in uh, in, Co- in Coconut Creek next to the gym, um, to American Top Team, and the, they had uh, they carry punchki, Polish donuts, you know. And I took a picture. I was like, wow, that's big so Polish cool. donuts. Big Polish. He says donuts. I gotta get the jelly. The Polish donuts are different, yeah. Are different, are different. Right. And so are you, Boogie Woman. And we're going to get into this fight. Uh, the five round distance. Is that, yes. is that a major separation between you? And, yes, and it Lady? is. She hasn't, she hasn't faced someone like, uh, like me. Uh, you know, I've been through this five round, uh, bout so many times and, uh, my condition is always good. So I do not gas out. I, I do more with every round. I do more, you know, I figure out the way how to beat my opponents. And I'm a real warrior, you know, uh, the worst part of, uh, preparation is sparring, you know, because it's hard. Uh, you have to go there, like get, uh, physically, mentally ready. I'm a real fighter and real warrior. So when I step to the octagon, I'm totally different, different, uh, beast, different monster. And, uh, definitely condition, uh, I'm a real five rounder. It's on my side, you know. You've the experience I, I, I have. I know she, she's like 20 and one. Uh, most of uh, her fights were in China, but, uh, you know, it's going to be my 14th fight in the UFC, 10th for the belt. Big legacy and, uh, so many experience with different athletes from all over the world. Is there a different feeling coming in being the challenger after you've already been to the mountaintop? Where yeah, so- but I have nothing to lose, nothing to prove, you know. And uh, she has uh, everything to to lose. I I can only earn, you know. And I and 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 I will no pressure on me at all, at all. Well, we haven't called you by your real nickname. You want a champion? <laughs> Very soon. Few days, few more days, and 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 you will not uh, break your tongue anymore <laughs> with Jacek. <laughs> uh So yeah, our champion uh, is back. 
in, in four or five days. This many years into the great career, is the American media still butchering your name at every turn? Uh, yes, all the time. One all day the we'll time. get it right. Can yeah, I but, but I love it, you know, yeah. I'm going to try it, all right? Yoana Young Jacek. Close, right? Is it Jana? I always... Jana? Jana is true. <laughs> no, every time I know I go by coffee, i like, uh, what's your name? Joanna. So they, then they put with the, the H. I say Joanna. So they put with Sam. You know, so now I just say JJ, you know. Yeah, and, JJ works. But him, JJ, actually, your pronunciation is good. Red Okamoto's been trying to teach me. I know he's yeah, the best-looking journalist he's out there, but he's, he's trying good. to teach me how to yeah. get that pronunciation <laughs> right. All right. Saturday is the big dance. UFC 248, the co-main event. Last question here, Jana. Okay. You've been so honest about your personal journey yes, and overcoming of things. Has that changed you at all as a fighter? Will there be a different boogie woman on Saturday from the one who once wore the belt? Uh, I'm more focused and motivated. And with every camp, uh, I'm like quality over quantity. But you can talk to the people who who work with me, uh, who are working with me every single day. And uh, they know that you can be more motivated, more focused, and work even harder than last time uh, to, to get to the point where we want to be. And I know where I want to be. And... Uh, and there is a second version of Joanna, the champion, uh, showing up on Saturday. Bookie Woman 2.0. I know where you want to be in the winner's circle on Saturday. <laughs> Punchkeys for everybody. You're going to have to pull that jelly Actually, out. I eat donuts after the fight. You know, like, uh, are waiting uh, <laughs> on me, like, uh, at the locker room. Buffalo White Wings and, and donuts. All right. You mm. can pull that jelly out of Coach Brown's yeah. beard over there after the fight. UFC 248 on Saturday <laughs> in Las Vegas. The women's strawweight queen coming so back much. for her belt. All right, special thanks to Jana uh, Champion. We're going to find out this weekend, Brandon, if she is. A couple takeaways from that from that interview, Brandon. She seemed very defensive to the idea that people consider her a villain. That, you know, we all remember the the build to the first Rose Namajunas fight. I mean, she straight up played the role of, like, bully to almost talking down to Rose's mental health battles and really going going dark there. And Brandon, you can argue that in the build up to this fight with that meme poster that she posted with the face mask the, to block out the potential coronavirus heading into this Zhang Weili Weili Zhang fight. You can you can choose which which name you want to put first. Um I get her kind of saying, look, you know, I know who I am. You guys don't know me. You jump at the the media's portrayals and the gossip. But I don't feel like it's gossip, Brandon. I feel like I've seen it a lot. I don't know if she's got a leg to stand on in this argument. Yeah, I mean, it's just like she's she should know better, I feel like. And yet she's defending it kind of and like saying it was all a joke. And it's like, I mean, you really shouldn't make a joke like that right now based on how everybody in the world is reacting to this kind of thing. Um, I, I really don't know, man. Like she was she she was like untouchable. It felt like during that run when at champion where nothing would stick to her. She was Teflon like. She could say anything and we'd be like, oh, how sweet. She's so she's so good. She's so nice. But in the in the in the cage, she's just a, a, a monster. She's destroying everything. And then she finally loses. And in that first fight with Rose, that, like you mentioned, like she went a really long way in trying to get into Rose's head. And once she wasn't able to get in her head, 
I don't know if something changed in her, in her own mentality where she was like, Oh crap, what am I supposed to do? I can't intimidate her. And now she's just like, she's not even trying to intimidate. She's just trying to make people like agitated. Well, I do look, she's been very open. I mean, she was open in this interview, but she has been much deeper in, in other interviews about the personal issues in her life around that fight. And I'll give her that brand. I'll give her that sort of grace. You know, the weight cut was horrible heading into the first Rose fight. She got knocked out. She wasn't herself. She had a very toxic group of people in her camp, including now we find out her ex-fiance, and, and she kind of kicked all those people out of her team. I almost feel like she hit a point where Ronda hit entering the Holly Holm fight. Now, look, Holly Holm was always going to be an awful matchup for Ronda, and Ronda was getting to a point where the competition was catching up. That's all true. But, Brandon, Ronda was a little bit more worried at that time about, like, getting movie deals lined up then maybe evolving and becoming the best fighter. And I think there's a certain degree that that all hit Joanna heading into that first Rose fight. It was sort of like stardom was taking over the idea of equaling Rousey's title defense record, becoming this, you know, global superstar potentially and all that. Um, but, but, to, but to, just to go on that point though, like UFC wasn't treating her that way. Like their fight was the third on that card. They weren't the co-main event or even the main yeah, event. But that's a super card. That's a damn super card. You know sure, it. but they could have made it the co-main event. They could have pushed Cody and TJ below that, but they didn't They didn't think that it was that big of a fight. They just thought it was another defense for her. I'll agree that they set her up to be a superstar, and she never quite got there. That's why I say she was, she was ready to be the next Ronda critically, not commercially. She proved that there's a ceiling to, to – I mean, look, she wasn't a finisher, a knockout fighter – um, I don't think she fully evolved her personality on the microphone. I think it took a while for her to really kind of figure out who she is. But the whole thing is, look, yes, you you did act like a villain. And I'm not necessarily against that, Brandon. Did I like her bullying Rose's mental health issues? Do I like that meme with the gas mask? No. But again, I always lean on this track. It's the fight game, dude. You're trying to intimidate people. You're trying to, you know what I mean? You're trying to agitate. You're trying to do a lot of that. Uh, I think she's a little oblivious to how rightfully she was presented i mean the ufc kind of got behind the idea that this this chick is crazy you know she's ruthless and she is she had that gimmick at weigh-ins where she'd get up underneath your chin and glare into you i'm cheering for her though uh, not uh, in life which is what i'm saying I, I i like second chances i like redemptions i do believe that she's in a much better place and i think we saw that in her performance against waterson this is a really interesting fight in this co-main event against Zhang Wei Li, who's making her first title defense, to see because this is either going to be Zhang Wei Li getting a monster win for the future of her career and becoming this unbelievable crossover star in China, which couldn't happen at a better and bigger time for the UFC as they're expanding there, or it's sort of Yuana trying to dip in and make her own Randy Couture Captain America comeback story and, and, and put this capstone on top of her legacy. That's kind of what makes this fight so cool. I think Yana mentally is where she needs to be physically. This is a very tough matchup. I think she's the rightful underdog. But I'm I, I'm excited for her chances in here. The real question that we have to figure out, and as it pertains to the preview of this fight, Brandon, is how good do we actually think Zhang Weili is in the short sort of sort of uh, sample we've gotten because I don't think you can look at the Jessica Andrade finish and just go that's going to be her every time. I mean Andrade was uh, ridiculously reckless in how she tried to walk her down and put herself into compromising situations. She was fairly dominant in decision wins leading up to that. 
how do you like this fight from that standpoint? I mean, is is Joanna running into a beast here? Do do we know if Zhang Weili can go five rounds? There are a lot of questions coming in. Yeah, that's going to be what needs to be answered here is what is Joanna's game plan going to be for this, right? Like, Weili, we know, is very destructive in her power. I mean, she just took out Jessica Andrade, who was just running through everybody in this division with her own destructive power in under a minute. So it's going to be like, what, what does Joanna want to do with this fight? Does she want to stay, keep that point fighting from the outside? Like we've seen her do so many times when she was champion. And then now in her way back where she just wants to, she wants to jab from the outside, leg kick low and just kind of take away, take away your, your ability slowly with the volume of punches and strikes. But I don't even know if Whaley's going to give her that opportunity here. If Joanna is able to keep it out on the outside and she's able to drag this fight into a fourth round, that's where I'm going to be like, all right, maybe Whaley is not going to have the gas tank for this fight. Maybe she's not going to be able to survive in this late in the late rounds of this fight because we've never seen it. She's not even. I don't even think she's done that in in her other promotions that she's she's fought for. So. That's what's going to be the most decisive factor to me is is what Joanna's game plan is. But I also just think, man, like we're under like it's so weird to say you're underestimating a champion going into a fight, even when she's this much of a favorite over Joanna. But we are because we don't know anything about Wei Li. Like it's so tough to just be like, oh, she's a champion, she'll probably win, or if she doesn't win, we won't be surprised. It's like her decision wins didn't give you enough to be like, oh, wow, she's going to be a champion one day, even though she's like the 20 and one in her career. And her only loss was early in her career. Her debut. Like she just her, wins. Her only loss she was her wins. 2003. I'm sorry, 2013 pro debut. That's crazy. Like nobody does that. The only other person that's done that was like Chris Cyborg. <laughs> Yeah, it's wild. Here's the other wild thing. In 21 pro fights, she's only gone the three-round distance three times. So there are a lot of unknowns. But what that means, by the way, if you if you win 20 of 21 fights and you only go to the scorecards three times, it means you're a pretty dominant finisher, which she was able to, to become pre-UFC. Since coming to the UFC, has submitted Jessica Aguilar in the first round, and then obviously the knockout of Jessica Andrade, along with two decision wins. Um, you're right. We are somewhat underestimating. I'm fear her because we just don't have the full sample size. I am fearful for Joanna of just poking the bear because, look, uh, if you don't know already, Zhang Weili's had a wild ride to get to this fight, having to had to move her camp three different times across like three continents, be kind of outrunning the coronavirus scare to get to a safe place. Finally at the performance center in Vegas, she really feels like that has become motivation. If you saw her comments in response to the ill-timed uh, meme poster from, from Ioana with the gas mask face, uh, she's kind of taking this personal and using it as fuel. She's jacked. She's a finisher. She's very strong on the ground, which is historically not an area uh, Joanna does well in by I'm just going all over the place with her first name, Brandon. Sometimes I'm hitting you with a Joanna, sometimes a Jana, sometimes I'm mixing it together for a nice kind of young J check sandwich there. But you get my point. She's the rightful favorite, and I believe that. I think it's going to come down in a lot of ways to how well Joanna can navigate distance in the first two rounds when, in theory, 
Weili Zhang will be the most dangerous. Keeping off the ground and showing us that five-round championship stamina. I mean, nobody outworks Boogie Woman. You remember the Gadeha rematch. Claudia had, was all over her for two and a half rounds, and then the tide completely turned. I, I, here's where it's crazy, Brandon. When Yuana fought Michelle Waterson last time, and, and ultimately that was sort of the eye-opening reminder, you all must have forgot performance, right? She looked like the champion of old. But heading into that fight, she was petitioning to get the fight raised up a weight class because she didn't feel like she could make that weight. Well, she did. She looked great. She had no stamina issues. She's claiming now that she's finally sort of figured it out, how to do this the right way. She's got nutritionist help. She's improved on her own intelligence in this area. She says this weight cut's going to be no problem. But, Brandon, you remember that whole tail end of her title reign? Every fight she was saying, I can't go to 115 much longer. I want to have kids one day. I want to, you know what I mean? Like, she was, like, talking about how much this was a struggle. If she's telling the truth and weight is not a struggle, I mean, she's in this fight. This is going to be interesting. Two completely contrasting styles. But if if she's kind of putting up smoke here and weight could be, ah, this could be a tough night at the office. Yeah, that's where I'm kind of at is like, I don't know what Joanna we're going to get. I And I know like it's become like a running joke on this show at this point where I say like it might be time for somebody to finish. But it's like, how dare you? If she listen to me, though, if she loses this fight, what's the next plan? What's the next decision here? Like, are we going to try to do this again? Are we going to try to get Joanna working her way back to a third title uh, opportunity at strawweight? No, we do. Or are we just going to Claudia? We fight Rose unless Rose becomes the champion soon. Yeah, you kind of start cashing out. Yes, I agree with you on that regard. She's going to be 33 in August. And if she wants to actually start a family, I mean, like. Are you saying you're available? <laughs> no. I'm just saying that's, that's, I don't know. It just seems like there's not a lot left if she's not successful in this fight. It's weird. It's it's an all it's kind of an all or nothing situation, Brandon. If Young Jacek wins, she becomes the first UFC female fighter to regain a title that she lost. She kind of almost doubles down on her legacy because something Chuck Mendenhall brought up this week on Morning Combat, a show I do each Monday for Showtime, is uh, he said we've almost forgotten how great she once was. It's like no one talks about that anymore. We talked more about how she lost her belt, how she went up to 125 and got destroyed by Shevchenko, the whole villain side of, of her personality, all this stuff. Yeah, if she comes out here and becomes a two-time champion in this division, I mean, she's on that short list. I mean, I think the greatest female fighter is Amanda. I think Cyborg's right there. Obviously, Ronda did what she did, and I think then there's Joanna. And Shevchenko's going to be knocking on that door very quickly. Those are your sort of uh, upper table of the greatest of all time. Yet, to your point, if she loses, we're going to go where we were skeptical the last few years. Then we're probably going to officially say, okay, this is the second half. It's going to go downhill quick. Cash her out. Um, there's intangibles, though, Brandon. Not just the fact that she's a, a great five-round fighter and that the current champion has never been five. Mental toughness is what decides this game. And the one thing I did take from that interview is that I do feel like she's back mentally where it matters. Now, again, somebody can still take you down and submit you or ground you out, no matter how mentally tough you are. But that intangible wins fights. And I'm ready to go on the record with the upset pick here. 
I think Ioana's got more left in that tank than we realize. She's going to have to walk through the, the fire here. I think she can win a decision here. You go back and watch the Tisha Torres fight. Wong, uh, you know, Zhang was, was, was really good and dominant in that fight. But if that fight plays out the same way with Ioana on the other side, I think she can sway the judges and get a, get a, get a win here. Mm-hmm. It's how she commands right. distance, Brandon. It's, it's really, because look, she's a fantastic volume puncher and striker. She's got to be able to control that distance and be able to instill something in Wei Li Zhang. I mean, she doesn't have the power to put that fear in her eyes, but maybe it's the fear of the gas tank. There's some. There's got to be some. Whether it's stuffing takedowns, there's got to be something that Joanna does early in this fight that plants a seed in the mind of the champion that you're in deep water against somebody who lives in deep water. That's fine. <clears throat> That's fine. I I just think my biggest fear is that this becomes the Valentina fight all over again where Joanna just kind of turtles up to not get finished. And that's going to make it really ugly, really fast. Where if she realizes after one or two rounds, like, Oh crap, I don't think I got this tonight. And just stops being, um, stops her movement, slows down her strikes. That's where it's like, Oh boy, what are we in here for? It could be, so yeah, for, it could be bad. It could be long. For that reason, for that reason, I'm going with with Wei Li, uh, second round knockout. I think this will be the this will be that, the other thing about this is like she has three losses, but she's only been finished once, and that one finish wasn't even like a bad knockout. Like it was a a volume of strikes. But I, I'm honestly worried about her in this fight. I think Wei Li is just going to be way too much. I think she's going to put a lot of pressure on Joanna to move and and avoid shots that I just don't know if she's going to be able to. I don't think she's going to let Joanna play on the outside with her strikes, with her volume. I think she's just going to try to run right through her. And if that's the case, Whaley is going to just put a hurting on her. Brandon, did you know that Joanna champion has the number one and number two record for most leg kicks landed in a UFC fight? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Margin of of distance between legs. She had she landed 75 more leg kicks than Jessica Andrade did in their fight, and 78 more than Waterson did in their fight. Could that be a strategy that allows her to stay on the outside and slowly break down or at least slow down this Whaley train? It could, but you also don't know what Whaley's leg kicks are going to look like in this fight, like. Joanna has a slight reach advantage with with her with her arms and maybe her legs as well, but Whaley's not a small person. Like she's got pretty good length to her her she's got pretty good reach on her on her punches and kicks too. I I've tried I tried man I tried to find a path to victory for Joanna in this fight. I just don't see it. Interesting. It's gonna be. Uh... It's going to be a hell of an interesting theater. I I do get what you're saying on that potential where if she just realizes early, I'm outgunned, I can be taken down, and if I step up my pace, I could get countered and hurt. You hope she doesn't go into survival mode for three rounds, you know, and and Whaley lets her. That would be a that would be a tough loss. That would be a hey, maybe I should pack it in type of loss. I would agree with you. I'd I'd more be interested in seeing her fight for legacy here and go for it. 
and figure out what she needs to do to get it done if she can. Uh, wow, Brandon, if Whaley wins, then you could argue here, Brandon. UFC doesn't give uh, stay busy fights, right? Unless you're Conor McGregor. You don't really get that type of stuff. You would have thought after knocking out Andrade that maybe they did a another title defense in China to cash in. No, they're like, no, we're going to Vegas. We're putting her in there with Boogie Woman. And if she wins, she has the potential to be... Now, what that what that is, what she could be, we don't know because you don't know with the vastness of China and the dense population how quickly she can get embraced and what that could mean globally and financially for the UFC. You've got to believe something massive, though. Yeah. she's. I mean, I feel like you've got to give her Rose, right? Like, wouldn't that make the most sense? If Rose gets by Andrade, which she should in theory. Really? Well, look, Rose is going to have a lot of questions by the by the manner in which she lost and the time taken off. But if you go back and rewatch that fight, Brandon, she picked Andrade apart at will in that first round. She was it was beautiful boxing and striking. And there is still a limited side to Andrade. She's always going to be a knockout threat in a fight, but if you have a higher skill set, a speed advantage, a technique advantage, you can use that against her. I could see Rose in that rematch getting a five-round decision and kind of doing what Joanna did to to Andrade in their fight. Yeah, but Joanna or not Yo, not Joanna, the Jessica also has the power where she can literally just pick up Rose and just throw her down. So that's where I'm just like, I don't know, like that to me, that fight is going to be interesting to watch and like you said i yeah make that if if whaley wins this fight she has to fight one of those two again i love this division i love it i love it all right brandon main event time here of course it's israel adesanya making his first defense fresh off the knockout of robert whitaker to win the title and we, we've, we've painted the narrative for weeks of the dare to be great he didn't have to fight yoel romero he wanted to he basically wanted to get the bat- most badass guy in there to make the biggest statement. And his response to anybody saying Romero is, you know, bigger, like thicker and stronger and has a greater wrestling ability, and that is Israel's weakness. Well, I'm with him on his counter of, um, one, they've been saying that since the beginning against Israel and no one's been able to, like, take him down and keep him there and dominate him. But two, Brandon, Yoel doesn't do that anymore. Go back and watch his fights. He just doesn't do that as a, as a, as a dominant move in his arsenal anymore. This has the potential for five hellacious striking rounds or however either of them can last. I tend to disbelieve, though, that Israel Adesanya can get the same type of finish he got against Robert Whitaker against a train like this version of Romero later in his career, who's just a rock. He's dangerous. He's explosive. He forces you to always be on tilt and be ready for that counter shot. I can't see him one striking Romero and winning this fight. If he did, it's a hellacious statement about who he is. But if that is not in play, Adesanya could win this fight and lose everything because you go five with Romero... You're never the same, Brandon. Never. Stop yelling at me. Never. You know that Yoel has only been finished once in his career? Yeah, back in like Strike Force in like 2011. <laughs> Do you know who that was that he fought without looking? Uh, I brought it up, Chuck brought it up yesterday. It was Feijao. Right? No, it was Rafael Cavalcante. Yeah, Feijao. Come on, bro. Come on. Oh. 
Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. I, listen, I've already said my piece about this fight. I, I don't, I get it, but I don't at the same time. I, I don't like the matchmaking. I think I love, I know that you're in love with this and you think this could just be an absolute brawl, but you're also rewarding a fighter who is one in three in his last four fights and has lost two straight in, in, in fight of the night contenders, but he still lost both of those fights according to the judges. And it's, it's the new wave of UFC where Dana is going against everything that he said the UFC would be at first and giving Yoel and Jose Aldo title fights off of losses. I, I don't agree with it, but I really hope that this fight lives up to the hype that you're giving it because it does have the potential to be an all out brawl. And if Yoel decides he's just going to say, screw it and, and throw down with Izzy, more power to him, man, because Izzy is just going to sit back and wait for his counter shots. Like, I feel like that where you're saying the, the, he's not going to, he's not going to one punch feel well. I don't, I don't think he has that kind of power. I don't think anybody has that kind of power, but Izzy is such a good counter striker. And you saw it in the, in the Robert Whitaker fight, like the finishing sequence was just like, what the hell? He's literally gets punched and he gets jabbed back, but feels the jab coming enough that he throws his left hook over the top of it. And as he's getting punched back, he lands the, the, the hook across Whitaker's chin that drops him. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that before. And to be able to just be that precise with your striking and know where the chin is at all times to find it. Izzy's striking is just on another level. And to me, that's going to be the difference here. Yoel is great, and Yoel, his his brawling has gotten so much better in these last few fights. But I also just think Izzy's Izzy's striking is just on such a different plane than the rest of this division that I I don't think this fight's going to be that competitive. Wow, wow, bro! Now look, if it ends up being not competitive, then that will mean. I don't think that will mean Romero is washed at 42 because I think he's just like Rashad says every week, man, he is just a freak. I mean, he might be in his physical prime right now, which is just absurd. I mean, it's just, it's just, ridiculous. he also might be 52. It's also true. Um, If that happened, I mean, that would mean to me, Brandon, that Adesanya is really of that Anderson Silva, John Jones ilk and really is just two years into this UFC run, which is ridiculously short amount of time. Just that rocket ship that's taken off. Um, the problem for Romero in these big fights, Brandon, is that he never pro- he re- he relies so much on explosion. He relies so much on on the threat and potential of one of those finishes that you saw against the Chris Weidmans, the Luke Rockholds, where you're just like, damn, that when he doesn't get those, he expends a ton of energy doing it, and he's not consistent around that. Sometimes he gives up rounds completely to rest. He did that against Whitaker, where he's just like, all right, I need I need another round here to get my breath back. Uh, I get why Adesanya is the favorite. In the end, I do pick Adesanya to win a hellacious decision. I really want to see if he can dominate it like you're saying. I just don't think you can against Romero. I think he just hurts you. And like Rashad says, you you hurt while striking him, whether that's more you know mythical or that's a reality inside there. I'd like to see Romero get into a mindset here, Brandon, where this is probably the last chance. And it is. Look, you're right. He's one in three in his last four. He also missed weight twice in those four. So you can argue that he don't deserve ish. I know I can come back with the hipster argument, and I do. 
that I've never seen him lose, and specifically the Costa and second Whitaker fight. You can make strong cases that he could have, should have won that. Um, it's getting weird, man. This should be a get, him getting this title shot and, and Jose Aldo getting this Hudo shot should be against the fabric and fiber of who I am. I just love these fights so much, Brandon. Like, they're not, to me, Dan Henderson getting that title shot against Bisping, which just it just to me was like an abomination at that point in his career, even though he fought great in it, by the way. Um, I'm starting to just soften that look. I want really fun fights. I'm okay with this. He's close enough. He's a title contender. He's a guy that probably should be champion at some point. But I need him to just go for it in this fight. And I know I just said that's sort of the thing against him winning these five-round championship fights is he goes for it too much in certain spurts and can't sort of consistently over five rounds deliver a game plan where he's just building. He's not a point fighter, so we can't make him to be a point fighter. I almost want to see him go F it. I'm pouring out the jug. I'm making this a three-round fight, not a five-round fight. I'm making this a freaking war. And if he does that, of course... It could spell the end of him because Izzy is that precise. And Izzy has shown us that he has no problem in the kitchen when it gets hot. But that might be ULL's opportunity, Brandon, to just go out there and just go for it. Good Lord, do you know the entertainment potential, the violence potential, and what this fight can be? He ain't going to point fight. And guess what? I don't think Izzy is great as I think he is. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Izzy train. I even don't think he's that great where he can point fight a guy like Romero to beat him. This ain't Gastelum. Gastelum came in there and, and created hell for Izzy, and Izzy figured it out and showed us everything he has. Um, he's going to he's gonna have to fight, dude. He's going to have to fight. This is like Cuban Justin Gagey. More explosive, <laughs> right? The guys that have beaten him, the, the, the Poiriers, the Eddie Alvarez's, they went into hell. They had better technique, and they, they 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 basically took a pound of flesh and left it there and said, I'm going to have to leave part of myself in there to kill you because that's what it takes. Whitaker, Whitaker I, I still don't know how he did it through 10 rounds, but he's just he was so well-rounded, and he may have paid the ultimate price. Whitaker may never be the same from those 10 rounds against Romero. Adesanya was right in what he said in that first press conference when people were like, you know, Whitaker went through 10 rounds against him, and he's basically like, dude, uh, that shouldn't be your plan. Your plan should be to finish him within three rounds. If he has that mindset, and if Romero has the mindset of where my only real shot is to finish you, these first round, first three rounds could be like 4th of July in your pants, Brandon. <laughs> I mean, are you even ready for that type of fireworks? And it may be the more precise striker of Adesanya, who does it? Who maybe gets it done? Because you'll, if Romero forces Adesanya to finish him to win, man, this is going to be, this is theater. This is, we're going to find out a lot. We're going to find out a lot about Adesanya's true backbone. We're going to find out a lot. Could he win a five-round decision? Yes, but he's going to have to take punishment to get there. I mean, Gastelum had a championship performance, and he kept it pretty damn close. I think he may have to finish Romero. And if I'm Romero, I'm going to make him finish me. All right, bro? I'm going to I'm not going to leave it up to the judges. I'm taking that belt. Brandon, I might just take my shirt off. At press <laughs> row. People still talk about that weird orange sweat sweat 
uh, over jacket I wore. You should wear it this weekend. You I should, should definitely wear it. bring that. Dylan Vegas. Hager loves that. Shout out to Dylan Hager, one of our listeners. Uh, I might just go shirtless there. I might actually write on my on my chest, right? Just just bleed. Just bleed, or yeah. I mean, you know, uh, maybe you know. What I was thinking I got tickets to uh, AEW. Wrestling, March 25th, Newark, New Jersey. They're going to do the two-ring war games, the cages. And I was thinking about holding up a sign that says, Just Blade, and then blading myself at the start of the card <laughs> and just letting the blood – and then wear like a white T-shirt and just let it drip. I should do that on Saturday because this is – Brandon, it's not about journalism right now. It's not about who should I bet. It's not about any about that. It's about theater because that's what this is. This is entertainment. This is prize fighting. These guys are going to take that jug – and they're going to pour it all over each other. Man sauce everywhere. <laughs> and I predict that Israel Adesanya will be the last man standing. Wow. God. All right. Are you done talking now? Because you just went on like a three-minute diatribe that I almost was, didn't end with you giving a prediction. Yeah, <laughs> like, Israel Adesanya. I think it was the greatest moment of this podcast history. Wow. Uh, Brandon, we both believe he's going to win. You believe dominantly. It's going to be interesting. Uh, what else do you care about on this card? Because Sean O'Malley is back from that two-year break due to multiple USADA uh, stoppages in his career. He's 25 now. He's in the prelims main event on ESPN against Jose Alberto Quinones, which was the fighter he was supposed to fight at UFC 229 back on your wedding night when this all started, Brandon. Um, can Sean O'Malley still be that dude? Definitely. Definitely. I Two years out is a long time, but it's not like he hasn't been working his ass off trying to trying to keep training. Um, you know this dude has been sparring and heavy for the last two years just to try and stay in shape and stay in and stay active. So I think he can still be a, a a player at bantamweight, especially against the, he's getting a tough test in, in Quinones, who won the Ultimate Fighter Latin America. Um. This is going to be a really fun fight. They picked a really good fight to keep on the prelims main event instead of putting this on the pay-per-view after the those two fights that we talked about before got pulled. Um, this is going to be one that you need to watch just because Sean is is such a dynamic striker. He's fun. He's got flair. He's got a personality. I think this might be you, – you think Izzy and Romero is probably going to be the fight of the night. This might be like a sneaky brawl to get you ready for the pay-per-view. I'm ready. I am ready for that. I want to see. I look. I love that. We've all loved o- O'Malley and his his sort of uh, you know Cheech and Chong, Nate, Nate Diaz brother routine. Um, let's find out. Cheech and Chong. Jesus Christ. Uh, Get a more modern reference, dude. I, I, I kind of connected new with old right there. All right. I know Brandon. You're like 24. Yeah. All right. Good. Good luck to you here. Um, Seth Rogen would be the reference to make. I care about Marco Madsen. The 35-year-old, the the amateur wrestling star who made his debut in that TKO and looked fantastic. Brandon, he's going in there against Austin Hubbard. I want to believe that this specialist, that this grind-out wrestler is going to be something. I'm going to be interested in watching this. You care at all about the Danish Olympian? I'll, I'll check it out. I want to see what he looks like. I, I don't remember. When was that fight that you're talking about? I'll tell you right now, okay? It was uh, September of last year on the Hermanson Cannoneer card. He fought Danilio Belvardo and had a took him 72 seconds to take him down and then grind the crap out of him. He was, he, he made it look like it was like an early UFC just just ham like, you know, just King Kong hammer shots on him. That was the that was the co-main event of that card? I believe so. In, okay. In, yeah, in I, th- I think I know what you're talking about now. All right. Thank yeah, you. I, I, I'll check it out. Check it out. I, I mean, should we expect violence in Cowboy Oliveira against Max Payne Griffin? 
I had to do something with with this fight today. You know that they're one in six in their last seven fights combined, Yikes. and they're the pay per view starting fight. Well, like you know, if they if they fulfill the the promise of a brawl, which is what they do, it is what it is. Three straight losses for Cowboy, but uh, yeah, all right, loser leaves town match. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Speaking of losers getting leave, leaving, this podcast is over, Brandon, as far as I'm concerned. Right? Hey, I know. whoa. Deron Wynn, bro. Okay. Well, then speak it. Speak it, believe it, and receive it. What do you got? <laughs> Deron Wynn against Gerald Marichart. Yeah, Gerald He's Marichart. He's a middleweight, middleweight fight to start the prelim card. Deron Wynn, you know, the Golden Boy MMA superstar. He's like uh, mini-me to Daniel Cormier. <laughs> yeah, and now fighting at middleweight. When he was, when he's like, what, 5'4", 5'5"? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. All right. Uh, uh, Neil Magny against Lee Jiang Liang. Nice. nice. Good job. All right. That's it. Neil Magny coming back from his own year suspension from USADA. USADA will get you. Hide your, hide your women and children, Brandon. Indeed. Uh, we got you covered, of course. This is the State of Combat podcast. You're going to want to check out. Got big time interviews from Media Day on Thursday. I think we're going to, you can find those on YouTube later this week under the CBS Sports account. Uh, check out CBS Sports HQ this week. I'll be on the ground in Las Vegas previewing this fight. We'll have interviews with the, the fighters of record, with Dana White, everything that you come to expect. Instant analysis Saturday night, Brandon. What do you think about that? Live from the basement, bro. Oh, you're, you're in on this, is what you're saying. I'll be here. I'll be awake. I'll be up till probably 4 a.m. on Saturday night. All right. Well, if it's 3 a.m., you must be lonely, Brandon. I don't know if that's a, before your time. Uh, all right. More shout 90s out, references. Shout out to Rashad Evans. Uh, shout out to you, the listeners of the State of Combat. Shout out to new homeowner, Brandon Wise. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I appreciate that. That's it. Enjoy UFC 248 this week. Check out our boxing podcast as well. The State of Combat, always here when you need us. But now, I got two words for you, Brandon, okay? For you, get bent. For everyone else, yeah. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.